Hi, we're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with Decrom. This is Sports Crunch with Decrom. I'm your host, David Promolo. The 2024 NFL Scouting Combine has begun, and that means it's time to kick off our annual Dash to the Draft series. Over these next two months, our job is to get you as prepared as possible for the 2024 NFL Draft, as we will introduce you to numerous prospects at each position and take you on a tour of all eight divisions where we will discuss what your favorite team should do while they're on the clock. But before we do any of that, we're going to discuss who and what to watch out for at the Combine and do our first mock draft of the cycle. And who better to do it with than our good friend Jeff Barnes, who is the senior NFL draft analyst for Team NBS Media. Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you on as always. How are you doing, my man? I'm glad to be back, man. He's always fun to do, so I can't wait to come back every year. Likewise, man, and, uh, we certainly hope this isn't the only time you are with us uh, during this uh, draft process. But uh, let's get the show rolling here. Jeff, as you know, this draft features a rather deep crop of quarterbacks, and it is expected that three of them, Caleb Williams, Jane Daniels, and Drake May, not necessarily in that order, will be selected in the first three picks. But there is a fourth quarterback who could potentially add himself to that mix this week in Indy, and that is Michigan's J.J. McCarthy. McCarthy is the ultimate projection given his lower-than-average passing volume during his time in Ann Arbor. But as NFL insider Benjamin Albright and others have reported, the NFL is substantially higher on McCarthy than those in draft media, and he is expected by many to be a top-10 pick. Aside from positional value, what makes McCarthy worth such an investment, and would it surprise you if he got drafted before either Jaden Daniels or Drake May? I've heard the chatter as well. It, 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 it kind of caught me off guard. I know people were higher on him. I know Jim Harbaugh has championed him. And the top 10 pick seems a little rich for me. Uh, it may not be for the guys in the room, in the war rooms. Um, and it's because of, we, we talk about a lot of things with quarterbacks. Now, he has certain traits that you love. The leadership quality is there. Um, the arm strength is there. He has the ability to make all the throws. So there's a lot of things you like about him. Taking him that high seems risky to me because when we talk about the production aspect, they purposely hid him from defenses. And when we saw them try to come out and attack defenses early, he had some struggles, some questionable struggles. Even if you think about the playoff game, the first throw against Alabama, when the DB reestablishes himself, that's an interception. So there's a lot more that he's got to learn. To take him top 10 seems a little rich for me. I don't know if it's if it's really that they are that high on him or if it's a little bit of kind of lying season like they're playing with us a little. It is lying season indeed, and this could very well be a smokescreen at the end of the day. But uh, why, again, do you think the NFL is substantially higher on J.J. McCarthy than us in draft media are? Uh, because they trust who we played for. Uh, Jim, We know Jim Harbaugh is returning to the NFL. He's championing how good this quarterback is. Uh, usually when you have a voice in the room, that's the louder voice in the room, the voices on the outside of the room. So a lot of people trust Jim Harbaugh and his evaluation of his player. So when you have that situation, they're going to go with what Jim Harbaugh believes. Now, once again, uh, there's a reason why they they hit, kind of hit his uh, his performance during games. So I, while I may question it, they may not because they trust the source. That too, plus uh, a lot of other people say that uh, Michigan took the ball away from him because they just relied on their uh, ground game and their defense to go win games for them. And that obviously was more than enough. It won them a championship. And wherever Jim Harbaugh has gone, his offenses have been in the lower tier. And I mean the lower tier of pass attempts, whether it was at Stanford, at the NFL with the 49ers, or at Michigan. Yes, he's always been a very much uh, conservative offensive coach. Uh, even when he was a player, he played for Mike Dicka. He played for a few teams. I think the most he got to air it out was Indianapolis. And even then he got the chance to hand the ball off a lot and then throw the ball later. But I think what you look at with him is he has a formula that he wins with, but when he has a special player at quarterback, he will let loosen the leash. They did that at times, but not all the time. And that's when you start to question if he's really as good as a lot of people believe. I think that he has shown you 
at times that he is capable of doing it. And I think the upside with him is, so, is very promising. I think he's not a finished product. I think there's a lot of room for growth with McCarthy. I just think that what we have seen on film, and, and is one of those guys that believes a lot more in the film than the numbers, the film doesn't show me a top 10 quarterback just yet, but it may show certain NFL scouts that. Absolutely, Jeff. Uh, NFL teams interested in Jason McCarthy are going to have to ask themselves those questions uh, in the next two months. And one player expected to shine in on-field workouts at the Combine is Texas defensive tackle Byron Murphy. Murphy is a kid who began as a running back and linebacker at the peewee and youth football levels before transitioning to defensive line in high school. And according to NFL draft analyst Dane Brugler of The Athletic, Murphy's goals are to run a 4.8 second 40, a 7.2 second three code drill, and do at least 35 bench press reps. If he hits those numbers, will Byron Murphy solidify himself as a top 15 pick in this draft? Oh, absolutely. When you look at Byron Murphy's film, when you look at the traits, he has a, a high motor player. He is a um, he is a defensive tackle that's very disruptive. He shows strength. He has the ability to convert speed to power. Um, he, he does a lot of things that uh, you want out of certain outside players he can do on the inside. Now, he's not a fully developed pass rusher. A lot more brute force, a lot more speed off the snap right now. But that's stuff that he's going to learn as he goes along at the NFL level. But I think if he hits those benchmarks and shows the athleticism that people were talking about, he's going to be highly coveted even more than he is right now. Oh, absolutely, especially given the uh, lack of uh, defensive tackle depth of this draft. Uh, he is going to shoot up boards uh, most likely after uh, this combine. And uh, stay with the defensive front four for a moment. While this edge class has a lot of solid options in the early rounds, there is no clear Batman among the prospects. But one candidate with the potential to evolve into such a force off the edge is Penn State's Chop Robinson. As uh, my good friend Nick Kendall uh, recently said, Robinson may be the most traitsy edge pass rusher in this entire class. In addition, Dave Brugler anticipates him to run a 10-yard split ranging anywhere from 1.55 to 1.6 seconds, and he also refused to rule out a time in the 1-4s. However, despite his freakish, and I mean freakish athletic gifts, Chop Robinson is currently very unpolished when it comes to defending the run, which is probably a big reason why he's currently being mocked as a late first-round pick. But should he test as well or better than expected, and people have very high expectations for him this week, can you see Chop Robinson being a top-20 pick, especially given the fact that the league constantly emphasizes traits when it comes to rushing the quarterback? Traits and testing could be what pushes him up a board. I think if there's an earlier run on defensive ends, it brings him up into the 20s, early 20s, or even the late teens. Um, but with him, I think the main thing is how do teams feel about him? We see the athleticism, we see the speed. With the with teams playing these reduced fronts, these um, nickel defenses, these hybrid fronts, do they believe that he's going to be strong enough to hold up at the point of attack when it comes to the running game? And will he develop more as a pass rusher? We see that he wins on athleticism and talent, but he's not winning on a repertoire of pass rush moves. So do they believe that he can, that he can develop a pass rush repertoire that's going to fit at the NFL level, and can he hold up at the point of attack? Is he going to be one of those uh, tweeners that we see that struggles, or is he going to be a guy like Randy Gregory who comes along, becomes a quality pass rusher? So I think that's where they have to look at him and say, is he good enough to do that? I think testing is not going to be his issue. I think he's going to be fine. He's a freak athlete. I think he's going to do all very well in that situation. I believe the teams that look at him are going to have to believe that they can get him to be a highly productive player, not just an athlete. Yeah, what makes Chop Robinson a tweener in your view? Um, it's just because he has that long, lean build. You know, he when you look at the height, weight, it fits. You know, the current defensive ends, but he's a leaner build. He's not that stockier defensive end. So when you have that longer, leaner, leaner build, it's a guy you may still have to develop a body wise, as far as adding a little more muscle to his frame. And and how do you distribute that muscle without him losing? you know, bend without him losing explosiveness, you know, so there's a lot of things you're going to have to do to still develop them when you get them. And as far as the, the on-field ability. So one thing you're not seeing a lot of is overwhelming 
power rush move. It's more athleticism. I'm going to spin. I'm going to beat you with speed off the edge. I'm going to be able to spin back on you. But sometimes you do have to rush down the middle, especially on early downs when teams like to run the football. You have to engage the offensive tackle. If you're a guy that can't get off a block when you're rushing down the middle, that's going to be a detriment when it comes to rushing the passer and playing against the run. Yep, just uh, more questions for pass rush needy teams to ask themselves about Chop Robinson in the weeks ahead. And the 2024 NFL Draft also features an absolute bumper crop, and I mean a bumper crop, of offensive tackles. The consensus top three at the position consists of Notre Dame's Joe Alt, Penn State's Olu Fashanu, and Oregon State's Talese Fuaga. After that, it currently is a bit of a mystery, but that could change this week as many eyes are going to be on Amarius Mims out of Georgia. Based on his film, several believe that Mims may have the highest ceiling out of anybody in this draft, regardless of position. That said, Mims only started eight out of 16 games he was scheduled to start during college, and he left two of those games early with injury. Moreover, three of the six games he started and finished were against G5 or lower opponents. Nonetheless, if Mims posts freakish testing numbers, as expected, and passes those medical exams, does that make him the clear-cut offensive tackle four in this class, if not better? Well, he's in my top five. Um, and I believe when you look at him, the longest, the main concern for him is longevity. Is he going to be available and able to stay on the field if you get him at the NFL level? He has the, he has the pedigree that people love. He's, he's a very good athlete. You know, another one of these former basketball guys that – comes out there and starts to play football and has that frame. So I think what you look at him, the main thing is, is he going to be able to hold up at the NFL level? He hadn't done it in Georgia. And that's one of the biggest concerns right now. The medicals of how good he's going to be right now, the one thing, but can they project him staying healthy at the NFL level? It's the biggest question. Do they have that trust? Do you take somebody who may not be as athletic, but is durable, is going to be dependable, and come out there week after week and give you quality uh, performance? Or do you take this freak athlete who may not have had the most um, durable college career, but has an upside that you have to love? I Like I said, he's top five on, on my board currently, but... The, the biggest question with him is going to be injury. And I don't think a lot of that's going to be settled at the combine. Maybe if they do the medical, they see how well his injuries have healed. But as far as projecting how well he stays healthy at the next level, it's going to be an internal decision by teams. Yes, and uh, history shows that if you're banged up often in college, you're going to get banged up even more at the NFL level. So uh, NFL medical staffs are going to have to uh, make the most educated guess possible when it comes to the durability of Amarius Mims. And arguably the deepest position in this draft is wide receiver. And for quite some time now, Marvin Harrison Jr. has been widely regarded as the best non-quarterback prospect in this class, if not the best prospect, period. As Albert Breer of the MMQB reported on Monday, Marvin Harrison Jr. will not work out at the combine, and he also doesn't plan on doing athletic testing on his pro day. While Harrison indeed has nothing left to prove to NFL evaluators on the field, there may be someone nipping at his heels to be the first non-quarterback drafted on April 25th, and that someone is... LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors. Neighbors will not work out at the combine either, but unlike Harrison, he is expected to do so at his pro day. In addition, several teams have Neighbors as the top wide receiver on their board at this time, and he is regarded as a top three overall player in this class in the eyes of many draft analysts, including Lance Zierlein and Dane Brugler. If Malik Neighbors uh, steals the show uh, in Indy with his interviews and eventually at his pro day, would you be surprised if he gets drafted before? Marvin Harrison Jr. I wouldn't, and it's not because I think he's better than Marvin Harrison Jr. To me, he Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. is my wide receiver one, but because he is not performing at the combine, he is not performing at his pro day. That leaves the opportunity for somebody to step up and be the the guy that steals the show, and that has come to fruition for many players who have gone out there and guys who have sat out performances, guys who have gone out there and done everything from senior bowl on, going out there to, to get in the scouts' eyes. You want to be seen. You want, the, you want to be constantly seen by evaluators. You want them constantly talking to you and your representation. You want to be their main focus. And this way, they look at the board and say, we have to have this guy. And right now, you're not going to get that from Marvin Harrison Jr. because he's not going to perform at any of the events that they need him to perform at. So 
if he goes, if Neighbors goes out there and performs well um, at the pro day, if he interviews well this weekend, I think that's one of the main things for these guys is to go in there and interview well with teams. Make sure that they look at you as the person and say, we like this kid. We believe in him. We believe he's going to be a guy that's going to come in here and fit right away. That's one of the main things. We talked about DK Metcalf. People loved him. What won people over with him, not just the performance at the combine, but the interviews in the meeting rooms is really what won people over with him. So it matters as much to show up to these interviews and win them over in those meeting rooms, in the interview rooms, on your on your pro, um, on your uh, 30 visits. All that stuff matters. I think this weekend, though, for neighbors, he has to come out and put out the kind of performance he's show. He's capable. Actually, he's not running this weekend. Sorry. He has to come out and interview well. Um but he has to make sure he convinces teams that, listen, yes, Marvin Harrison Jr. is great. He's a generational talent, but I'm one too. And I'm going to show you that at my pro day. But I'm going to show you in this meeting room that I have the football knowledge to come in here and start right away. And what makes Malik Neighbors such a special talent? Um, one is his ability to get to get his hands on the football. Some guys um, are just good route runners. They bring great routes on air, but when it gets to game day, they're not exactly great at doing it. He runs very good routes. Um, excuse me. One of the other things that Malik Davis does is when he gets the ball in his hands, he's an excellent guy who understands how to finish. Okay. We talk about players that get the ball in their hands and do things with the football. Um, there are a bunch of guys that can do that. And we'll talk about some of those guys when we talk up stock up, stock down. But that's one of the things I like about it. Uh, to me, good receivers aren't just route runners. They're guys that when they get the football, they make plays happen. Neighbors does that. He most definitely is. And now it's time, as you alluded to, to play a game called Stock Up, Stock Down. And in this game, I'm going to mention a prospect that we have not talked about yet that I'm going to have my eyes on at the Combine this weekend. And uh, you're supposed to tell me whether you think his stock is going to go up or down after this weekend. And we start with Michigan wide receiver Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson, he absolutely stole the show at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile. I was there, and uh, he was easily one of the standouts. And uh, he is also a former high school gold medalist sprinter, and he ran a 10.68-second 100-meter dash. And he is also expected to shine in the uh, three-cone drill and the short shuttle this week in the combine so stock up stock down for roman wilson stock up he's going to continue to build on a strong draft season so far i i don't have any problems with him testing well and i think when he comes to his pro day he's going to shine even more so i think he's going to do well this weekend i, I think he's going to do well in the interview room i think he's going to go out there on the field performance expected he's going to light it up i don't know if he's going to set any records but i think he's going to go out there and perform very well and it's just going to continue to make his stock rise. He's been great at this whole draft process. Absolutely. And sticking at the wide receiver position, Keon Coleman out of Florida State. And Coleman is a guy who is absolutely dominant. I mean, dominant at the catch point. He is a 50-50 uh, ball master. And uh, the question is, though, is how fast is he going to run? And how good is he going to test in the short area drills due to his lack of route power? So stock up, stock down for Keon Coleman. Ooh, he's been the hard evaluation. I don't know if he runs overly well. I think he times quality times. Uh, he's a bigger receiver. So if he's in that low four fives, that's forgivable for a guy his size. I just don't know if he's going to do great in the change of position drills uh, when it comes to three cone and shuttles. But overall, when you get him out there doing the ball drills, I think he's going to light it up. I think he's going to do well. He's going to be a little... Uh, rough on the route tree. That's been one of the biggest things with him um, that has to grow. But I think overall, when you see him during the drills, um, the um, he's going to kill the gauntlet. I think he's going to kill the gauntlet because he has quality hands. So I think things like that he's going to do well on. I don't expect him to time overly well. His stock may rise because of the other stuff, but I don't think it's going to rise because of the numbers. And going back to Ann Arbor, Chris Jenkins, a 295-pound defensive tackle whose father was a defensive tackle in the NFL for several years. His father was like 340-some uh, pounds, but uh, Chris Jenkins is uh, substantially lighter than that. And Jim Harbaugh referred to him as the mutant of all mutants. Stock up, stock down for Chris Jenkins, the younger. Oh, he's going he's to look great this weekend because he's a three-technique naturally. He didn't play. He got to move around and play different positions on the different defensive line. But I think athletically, he's going to fit right in. He's going to test well. He's going to do all the things you need him to do. It's going to shine there. He's going to shine in the interview rooms with the with the scouts and the general managers. I think his stock continues to rise after this weekend.
Many others expect the same for Chris Jenkins. And staying in the Big Ten, Wisconsin running back Braylon Allen. He is expected to become the fourth running back since 1999 to run a sub-4640 at 240 pounds or more, and he is currently 245 pounds. So stock up, stock down for Braylon Allen. I think his stock is going to go up just a little because I think he's going to run straight forward very well. I think where his times are going to be a little off are going to be on the three-cone in the shuttle because when you watch this film one of the hardest things he does that, that he doesn't do overly well is change direction the cutbacks are a little sluggish right so things like that change of direction is the biggest challenge when you look at the film with him but he has the ability to burst go forward and do a lot of things a very explosive runner i think what you're going to look at is he's going to run well in the 40 i think i don't think he's going to have a spe uh, spectacular time could have a pretty good time i think the way you got to worry about it the change in direction jills with him but i think he's going to do great in the agility stuff i think he has quality hands that he's going to catch the ball well so i think he's going to do stuff like that at the combine very well i'm just, i'm not exactly thinking that he's going to light it up in the three corner shot uh, yes, uh, that makes sense because I've been hearing uh, A.J. Dillon comps for him, and that is a very yeah. similar uh, kind of it back It is a there. very similar run, yeah. Definitely. And uh, Kingsley Suamatea, an offensive tackle from BYU. He is expected to run a sub-five-second uh, 40 at 325 pounds. Stock up, stock down for Kingsley Suamatea. I'm feeling it's a little bit of a stock down, and, and it's not because I don't think he's a good athlete. When you look at him, he's another big offensive lineman that we talk about, but he's very long. He doesn't play with a lot of bend. Well, that's going to hurt him when it comes to those on-field drills when you have to do the, the movement with the hands and the mirroring and doing all that stuff. Change of direction is going to be his biggest problem, and that's going to show up in these drills. Now, can't teams get past it? We've seen them do it with Orlando Brown and a few others where those guys go out there and they have great careers, despite the fact that they didn't test very well when it came to change of direction. I think that's his biggest challenge, and I think it's going to show up in these drills this weekend. And staying on the offensive line, Cooper BB, an interior offensive lineman from Kansas State. This is a kid that doesn't have top-tier athleticism, but Dave Brugler believes that it's a safe bet he will surprise many with his testing numbers. So stock up, stock down for Cooper Beebe. He's going to be stock up. He's going to be one of those guys going to put together an excellent workout. He's going to do all the drills very well. He's going to have to show you the perfect form. He's going to show you the, the great movement he has on pulls. He's going to show you all of this stuff that you want to see. Um, he's going to probably kill it on the bench press. I know he's not a long arm guy, and those guys tend to do a lot of numbers on the bench press. So I think what you're going to see is a good workout for him that's going to continue to boost his stock as an interior lineman. I think the best thing that they did was really move him to guard and let him flourish. And moving on to the cornerback position, Nate Wiggins out of Clemson. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, I believe, referred to him as the most traitsy corner uh, in this class. Stock up, stock down for Nate Wiggins. Nate Wiggins, I think, is going to test very well, a very good athlete. Um, and I don't think any of his weaknesses are things that are going to show up this weekend. Uh, he's not going to be out there covering receivers, getting handsy with people, which is what he struggles with the most. So I think he's going to go out there and test very well. He's a guy that has a lot of position value. He can play outside, but they, he's very good in the slot. So I think a lot of teams' value is possibly one of their top slot corners. So if he goes out there and I think he's going to do well in all the drills, I think it's nothing but stock up for him. And last but not least, this was another guy who shined at the Senior Bowl. Kenyon Mitchell, a cornerback from Toledo, and he ran a hand-timed 4.39 second 40 last spring. Stock up or stock down for Kenyon Mitchell? Stock up. He's definitely a, a tremendous athlete, and they tend to shine in these kind of moments, right? We're talking about the underwear Olympics, as everybody calls it, where you're out there, there's no contact. It's just run the 40 as fast as you can, and these guys have been training for that. Run the three cone. He's a guy that can change direction very well. I think what you're looking at with him is more instinctive play, something that's not going to show up at the combine. He is Jeff Barnes, ladies and gentlemen, senior NFL draft analyst for Team NBS Media. You can follow him on X at Jeff Barnes29. And Jeff, now is the moment we've all been waiting for. It is time for our first mock draft of the cycle. We are going to be conducting a full first round mock draft, one to 32. I will be picking the odd number picks. You'll be picking the even number picks. And trades are allowed, courtesy of the PFF, a mock draft simulator. And the Chicago Bears are obviously on the clock at 
one overall. Uh, Ryan Poles, uh, he didn't completely let the cat out of the bag today, but you could definitely read between the lines that Justin Fields' uh, time in Chicago uh, is up. And uh, at the end of the day, I think they take a guy who the NFL has been believing for several years now is a generational talent at the quarterback position. Caleb Williams out of USC is my pick at one overall. The Washington Commanders are now on the clock at two overall. On the Washington Commanders, you need an answer at quarterback. They don't have it right now. Um, at least they don't believe they do. Do you go Daniels? Do you go May? If I'm looking at quarterbacks right now, once I see Caleb Williams go off the board, and I'm Washington, I'm taking Daniels. And that is what's widely expected because uh, as Cliff Kingsbury, uh, their offensive coordinator said uh, in his uh, press conference, uh, he wants a guy who can move around and Drake May is more of a prototypical pocket passing uh, kind of quarterback. Don't get me wrong, he's plenty athletic, but uh, Jaden Daniels is definitely the kind of archetype that a Cliff Kingsbury likes to work with. He worked with Kyler Murray in Arizona for several years, and Jaden Daniels is a very similar uh, play style as Kyler Murray, so he makes perfect sense here, and uh, that's exactly what most around the NFL believe will happen at this time. And now this is where the draft will likely begin. The New England Patriots are widely expected to trade out of this pick because uh, Gerard Mayo, their uh, new head coach, and uh, Elliot Wolf, who's their de facto uh, general manager, even though he doesn't have that title, they uh, reportedly believe that this roster is a long ways off and isn't ready to support a rookie quarterback. So they are going to trade with the New York football giants. And the New York giants, uh, yes, uh, they... Uh, committed to Daniel Jones starting week one, but I don't necessarily believe that because uh, I think they're regretting paying him all that money because Daniel Jones, uh, uh, kind of like with Amarius a Mims, his, the best of, Ability is availability, and he is constantly not available uh, due to uh, injuries. So I'm going to force, uh, force this trade right here, and the New York Giants are going to come up the board, and they are going to take Drake May, a quarterback that is very similar uh, stylistically to Justin Herbert. He's a prototypical pocket passer, but he has freakish athleticism, and he can get you on those scrambles every now and then. So Drake May to the New York Giants at number three overall. Arizona Cardinals on the clock. Their dream pick, Marvin Harrison Jr., staring him right in the face. That's exactly where they would go. He's the best player available. I'm shocked to see him fall this far. If I'm Arizona, I take him before somebody else does. Definitely, and uh, that's another pick that's widely expected to happen. Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Cardinals at four. He will definitely go no lower than that. And the Los Angeles Chargers are now on the clock with uh, Jim Harbaugh and new GM uh, Joe Hortiz now running the show there. And uh, the Chargers are another team that's widely expected to trade back, and I think we're going to get another trade here. Uh, we are going to uh, put the Minnesota Vikings on the clock. And yes, uh, they're uh, expected at least uh, right now to reside Kirk Cousins, but that should not, under any stretch of the imagination, preclude them from uh, taking a quarterback uh, in the first round. And uh, J.J. McCarthy, I heard that he is a classic hand-and-glove fit in a Sean McVay-style offense. And Kevin O'Connell is a Sean McVay disciple. And look who he has in Minnesota. He's got the best wide receiver in football, Justin Jefferson, another promising young wide receiver, Jordan Addison, uh, TJ Hawkinson, a tight end, uh, once he gets healthy, a rock star offensive line with a Christian Derrissaw and Brian O'Neill uh, being the two tackles. And uh, J.J. McCarthy could sit a year or two behind Kirk Cousins and then be put in a position to flourish there. I really like this fit for him, and this is what I think is going to happen. J.J. McCarthy to the Vikings at five in a trade. Patriots on the clock at six. And if you're not ready to draft your quarterback, well, you can at least start to build your offensive line. Right now, I'm not seeing any top defensive player at the top of my board that I want to take right now to help retool that defense. But I do see a tackle that fits what our need. So right now, that's going to be Joe Alt from Notre Dame to New England. Joe Alt uh, from Notre Dame, definitely a Patriots-style pick. And the Tennessee Titans are now on the clock. And this is where it gets interesting. The Tennessee Titans, offensive tackle is equally as much of a need at wide receiver. But I just cannot say no to Malik Neighbors here. Malik Neighbors is widely considered a top three overall player in this draft, as I said earlier. And seven is an absolute 
highway robbery here to get him here. So Malik Neighbors is going to be my pick at seven to give Will Levis the uh, target he needs in the passing game. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons now on the clock at eight. We have built up a nice young offensive group. Um, we drafted an excellent running back, tight end that we have highly underutilized, and an excellent receiver. Adding another receiver would help. I think they can do what they can do is they can wait on that. I think Cooper DeJean is a pick right here. Nate Wiggins is a pick right here. If I have my choice, um, it's going to be Nate Wiggins. Ooh, very interesting. Nate Wiggins, the first corner off the board. Why him ahead of uh, uh, Kidion Mitchell or uh, Terry and Arnold? Um, the main reason is because we talked about it, the flexibility. I can play him in the nickel. I can play him in the nickel. I can play him outside. I can move him around the situation. If there's a receiver I want him to follow, he has the skill set to follow. He's not a guy that you have to stick on the boundary or on the field side. So I like the fact that he can play anywhere I need. There's a nickel. There's a corner. He's a he's a shadow corner. Uh, he can move, uh, motion, and cover. So I think he can do a lot more than a lot of other stationary corners can do. So I think he's a better fit for what they want to do defensively. Definitely, and Raheem Morris would definitely be a fan of that pick there. Uh, team him up with uh, A.J. Terrell, who also went to Clemson and is a top-five corner in this game. Uh, the Falcons uh, could easily end up with the uh, best uh, corner tandem in the league in the near future there. And the Chicago Bears are back on the clock at nine with their original pick, and Ryan Poles is smiling because he got Caleb Williams at one, and now he gets Caleb Williams another weapon in Rome Adudze, the wide receiver out of Washington. And Rome Adudze, he is the perfect, and I mean perfect, compliment to DJ Moore. DJ Moore is that slick uh, route runner, amazing in space. Rome Adudze is a 50-50 ball master, and he has... Uh, Oily hips for a guy his size as well. So a perfect compliment to DJ Moore and Roma Dudze. He is the pick at nine. New York Jets are on the clock. They need to protect Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. And it just hasn't worked out with some of the tackles they've had. Um, so we got if Alt's off the board, you gotta go Penn State tackle for Shano. Olu Fashano, absolutely the best uh, pure pass-protecting uh, left tackle in this draft class. Uh, the New York Jets would absolutely love to have him. And the Chargers, Jim Harbaugh and Joe Ortiz are smiling that Talise Fuaga is still on the board because they really want to upgrade that right tackle position opposite of uh, Rashawn Slater at left tackle. They could have two all-pro tackles on this offensive line in the near future. Talise Fuaga, he is a Jim Harbaugh player. He just plays pissed off and beats you up at the point of attack. He is meant for that smash mouth style of football that Jim Harbaugh loves to play, Talise Fuaga is the pick for the Chargers at 11 overall. The Denver Broncos are now on the clock here. And the Broncos are a team that needs help almost everywhere on the roster. Uh, trading back here, this situation might make a lot of sense. And that's a Sean Payton trait, right? Because he loves to acquire picks. Uh, let's see who's offering That's a George Payton. Sean likes to trade up George Payton. The GM likes to trade down. Yes. <laughs> Who's offering us a trade there? I see a couple of trades lit up. Uh, the Bengals at 18. Now this makes sense with Brock Bowers still on the board. Yes. So I think I like that move. Absolutely. Brock Bowers to the Bengals at 12 and a trade up with the Broncos. Just imagine a trio of him, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins for at least one year in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow is going to be a happy guy. And now the Las Vegas Raiders are on the clock, and the Raiders, uh, they have a boatload of options here. They have a talented young defense, but they need to add to that offensive line. And uh, when you look at uh, the uh, tackle board and who's left, uh, J.C. Latham and Amarius Mibbs are still left, but uh, Troy Fatanu, this is a guy who could play either tackle or guard for you, and his positional flexibility, I think the Raiders are going to love because uh, – the more positions one guy can play on an offensive line, the better chance you have at getting your best five out there. So I'm going to go with Troy Fatano as my pick for the Raiders here at 13. The uh, offensive tackle slash guard out of Washington. New Orleans Saints are now on the clock at 14. Yeah, so um, I think they got to go offensive because even if they add more defense and, and get that defense even stronger, their biggest issue last year was consistently scoring. You need better weapons. You got, uh, you know, Michael Thomas is just not the answer for this team anymore. Um, you have one excellent young receiver. You have a couple others that are up and coming, but they're more role players. I need a guy that's going to help me out. Can you show me the receivers that are actually available right now? 
Yes, I believe uh, Troy Franklin from Oregon is still left. Mm -hmm. Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU. Uh, Lam McConkey out of Georgia. Adonai Mitchell, Texas. Keon Coleman and all. All right, so all of these guys are guys that I like, but I think at 14 is a little rich for them. If this is the case, I'm going to trade back. So who's offering me a trade here? Let's say the Denver Broncos uh, with their uh, haul, uh, the haul they got in the trade with the Bengals, uh, they do a Sean Payton move up the board and move up to 14 with his former team. So the Denver Broncos back on the clock now. Okay, so if I'm Denver, uh, we just took it. Uh, we took a, who did we take before? They traded out of 12 with the Bengals. Okay, so they traded back. Okay, so now we're moving back up. Well, let's go with the first thing. Russell Wilson's gone. Are there any quarterbacks that I want to take at this position? Is there anybody I want to move back for? Um, well, we got Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and I think after that is a bigger drop-off, right? So, right. uh, at this situation... Do I really want to go quarterback? Do I want to risk waiting? You know what? If I'm believing in one of these two young men, I saw the, the top quarterbacks go off the board. I have no problem, honestly, with a Michael Penix here. Um, Bo Nix, maybe a little bit later. But I, I have Michael Penix higher on my board. I have no problem with a Michael Penix here. Um, I'm not seeing a receiver as one of the needs right now that I believe at 14 would fit. Um, center. It's definitely a center on a board that we could definitely oh, Jackson, anchor down with. Yeah. Jackson so Powers this, Johnson. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And, uh, the Broncos are expected to lose Lloyd Cushenberry in free agency. So yes. uh, th this makes sense. But uh, Byron Murphy is still on the board as well. And they had absolute trouble getting out of, get, getting after the quarterback last year. Absolutely. Getting to the quarterback and stopping the run as well. So um, I'm definitely looking at this with, with, you know, with a lot of options. I'm going to go with, the thing that I think is going to be a little more available for me later um, is going to be defensive linemen. I think there'll be defensive linemen that are going to come in and help them later. But if they miss out on a quarterback here, they're not going to have an answer later. So I'm going to go Michael Penix here. Um, and we're, we're moving on from Russell Wilson. We don't have a quarterback on the roster right now that's ready. And they're probably going to bring in veteran help as well. So I think Michael Penix gives them an option for the future. He's a guy that we saw makes all the throws. The question with him is health. I think there's time. If you don't want to rush him on the field, they're going to have a veteran answer to be the gap between him and the future. Fascinating. Uh, Jeff, you're definitely higher on Michael Pettis Jr. than most others are. Why is that? Because I think we saw what Michael Penix, when he's healthy, he has the ability to, one, make the off-platform throws and throw on point from the pocket I, I, we saw it and especially in the playoff the throws that he made versus texas were absolutely on point and yes he has a doomsday on the outside but he threw to every receiver with with precision with power at times with touch at times he avoided a lot of pressure um he got beat up a lot more versus michigan but he was still equally effective versus Michigan. So I think when you look at it, they were able to run the football more against Texas and take a little weight off him. Michigan was all on him, and he was still up to the task. Unfortunately, it just wasn't good enough. But overall, we saw a tough player physically, mentally, and one that makes all the throws, has all the skill set that you need. You just need for him to stay healthy at the next level. You need for him to develop because there's going to be a difference in offense that he's going to have to learn as well. So there's going to be certain hurdles he's going to get past. But when I look at it, if I pass him up, I have to wait till next year to figure this thing out. I'd rather come in here with an answer now, not take a chance on picking up somebody later who's not going to be as good at all. So I'm I'm a lot more higher on Michael Penix than other people. There are a lot of people that are higher on McCarthy than I am. So that that unfortunately happens, but I trust my evaluation of the player. And now the Indianapolis Colts are on the clock at 15 overall. And the Colts, I think they go defense uh, with this pick here. And I am kind of stuck between Byron Murphy and Kenyon Mitchell. They need a shutdown corner for sure. But uh, DeForest Buckner is no spring chicken. He's been in this league since 2016. And they need a long-term uh, successor uh, to him and a guy who can learn from him for a couple years. Yeah, I think Byron Murphy is going to be my pick here. So Byron Murphy to the Colts at 15. The defensive tackle out of Texas. Seattle Seahawks are now on the clock. 
under new head coach Mike McDonald. And I think right now you look at the Seahawks, they got better at the, in secondary. They still need pass rush. Um, so right now, this is where Jared Verse comes into play. Yeah, why Jared Verse ahead of uh, Dallas Turner? Um, I like Dallas Turner at overall number one. I think they like the thicker body defensive ends, and that's more Jared Verse. Um, it, to me, Jared Verse, if he had a little more twitch, we're talking about Kayvon Thibodeau 2.0. Yeah. But he doesn't have the twitchiness of a Thibodeau, but he has the same frame, that long, thicker frame with the athleticism, the boot. Edge is definitely a needed Seattle, so that makes sense there. And now the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock at 17 overall. They need corner help badly, and they got their pick of the litter between Cooper DeGene, Kenyon Mitchell, and Terry and Arnold. And Terry and Arnold is the consensus top corner uh, in this class. I'm going to go with Terry and Arnold here for the Jaguars at 17. I really like the value here. Uh, Terry and Arnold uh, definitely has some uh, a little bit of rawness to his game. But uh, he is a very special uh, athlete uh, that you look for at the position. Terry and Arnold is the pick at 17. New Orleans Saints now on the clock at 18. Well, we talked about the Saints. If I'm not seeing a top flight receiver that I want right here, if I'm not seeing a, um uh, offensive weapon that's a short thing right now, well, let's go over and see who's going to help that defense. Right away, Dallas Turner pops off the board. Hey, they need pass rush. They have an aging front. Dallas Turner comes in and brings new life. Absolutely. Dallas Turner would be tremendous value. I mean, tremendous value for the Saints there at 18 overall. I personally expect him to go much higher than that. And now the Los Angeles Rams are on the clock at 19. And Matthew Stafford is 35 years old. And him being a traditional dropback passer, the interior pass rush harms those quarterbacks the most. You need somebody to help guard against that interior rush. And Jackson Powers Johnson appears to be one of the best center prospects in recent years. He is a no-brainer here for the Rams at 19 to protect Matthew Stafford and help elongate his career. Jackson Powers Johnson, the pick to the Rams at 19. Pittsburgh Steelers on the clock. Cornerback or offensive line help. You've got a lot of help here. Cooper DeGene, Kenyon Mitchell, uh, J.C. Latham, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Amarius Mims. Take your pick, or Graham Barton even. Like he could be a good uh, center for them. Absolutely. Um, there are a bunch of guys that they really could use here. I think right now, one of the places that they really need help is up the middle. Um, and if you're going to do that, you got to go linebacker here. And right now, the, the name that right there, Aiden Wilson, right there, top linebacker in this draft, in my opinion. Oh, interesting pick there, Jeff. Uh, this linebacker class is a very weak one, and uh, nobody uh, expects a linebacker to go in the first round. But if the Steelers are able to address the corner position and the interior offensive line and free agency with some significant ads, uh, they might look to a Peyton Wilson here. So Peyton Wilson, the pick at 20. And the Miami Dolphins are on the clock at 21. And the Dolphins, uh, they're going to release Xavier Howard. And if Kenyon Mitchell falls this far, he would be an absolute steal for Anthony Weaver's defense here. Kenyon Mitchell is my pick for the Dolphins at 21. I don't expect him to last this far, but if he does, Dolphins should run that card up to the podium. And the Philadelphia Eagles on the clock at 22. Well, in the team, we talk about linebacker. We talk about um, defensive backs. Well, there's still a bunch on the board. Kool-Aid McKittree fits right in right here. You're talking about possibly at some point moving on from Bradbury. Well, this is a guy that can eventually take his place. So right there is another corner that's going to come in and help this secondary. And the Houston Texans are now on the clock at 23. And my last episode, I had uh, my friend uh, Vinod Tanangi, uh, better known as VT, the host of the Texans 22 podcast, on, and he thinks if the Texans do not uh, make a splash signing at corner and free agency, corner could very well be the pick here because you got a shutdown corner, and I mean a legit shutdown corner in Derek Stingley Jr., but Derek Stingley Jr. has uh, availability problems, and you need a legitimately uh, talented corner on the other side of him, and uh, Cooper DeGene is still on the board here, and Cooper DeGene is like the perfect corner for D'Amico Ryan's defense, because D'Amico Ryan's loves versatility uh, in his defensive backs, and Cooper DeGene is also an absolute weapon on returns as well, so a uh, multifaceted weapon, and Cooper DeGene, he is the pick for the Texans at 23 your Dallas Cowboys are on the clock here. Well, for America's team, they've got a bunch of issues. 
You have an offensive line that you're going to have to replace at least one starter in Tyron Smith. Do you move Tyler Smith back to tackle? Do you keep him at guard and go with somebody else? But you have a bigger issue. One of the issues was linebacker. They didn't have enough of them last year. They were playing safeties at linebacker. So do you go with the need on the offensive line, or do you go with best one of the best players on the draft at the position that's not going to be there by the time you come back around again? So I'm going to go Edrin Cooper, Texas A&M, because I'm going to take one of the best outside linebackers in this draft who can not only play as a stack backer in chase, but he's a guy that could blitz as well. I absolutely. And with Mike Zimmer uh, coming back to Dallas as defensive coordinator, he loves those double A gap linebacker blitzes. And uh, Andrew Cooper would be somebody he might be pounding the table for here if the Cowboys uh, like it. The Green Bay Packers now on the clock at 25. The Green Bay Packers, uh, they uh, usually draft their weapons in the second round and they usually go defense uh, in the first round. And uh, they drafted uh, Lucas Van Ness last year. Um, as a long-term replacement for Preston Smith. Uh, but J.C. Latham, this guy's interesting because you're probably going to say goodbye to David Bakhtiari, and uh, you got some young guys to tackle that aren't proven, and uh, you could add him to the room, and uh, he could also play guard for you as well. And J.C. Latham is Lance Zierlein's favorite offensive tackle in this draft class. So you could have him and... Uh, uh, and Rasheed Walker, Zach Tom, the tackles, and kick one of their uh, three tackles inside the guard. He could kick inside the guard. So, uh, and plus the Packers uh, are going to have uh, some interior offensive line drains in the next couple of years, and he could be a potential problem solver there. So, J.C. Latham, my pick at 25 for the Packers. Tampa Bay Bucks on the clock at 26. They need pass rush help, especially from the edge. You got Kalijah Kansi and Vita Vey inside, but you just release, you're about to release Shaq Barrett. And Latu Latu is on the board here. And he's a perfect fit for this defense. You talk about a guy that can drop. He can rush. Very Has very uh, uh, very similar traits to Jalen Phillips. So he's a guy that fits right into what they want to do. I think Todd Bowles will be thrilled to see him at the top of their board right now. And he comes off. So Latu Latu out of UCLA, the pick at 26 for the Bucks. Arizona Cardinals are back on the clock with a pick they got from the Texans in the trade for Will Anderson Jr. And uh, Jonathan Gannon and Monty Osiport are going to be doing the happy dance when they see that Johnny Newton, uh, it says Jerzon Newton here, but he prefers to be called Johnny. Uh, he is still available, and the Cardinals' uh, defensive line is arguably the biggest need for them outside of that uh, wide receiver position on offense, and they are going to do an overhaul with that unit this year. And as I spoke to my good friend Bo Brack at the uh, Senior Bowl, who covers the Cardinals for the PHNX Sports Network uh, in uh, Arizona, a uh, uh, haul of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jerzon Newton in the first round would be a dream haul for them. So he is the pick at 27, Johnny Newton. The defensive tackle from Illinois, Buffalo Bills on the clock at 28. Team that, once again, we talk about offensive line depth is, is a key for them. Um, but also, you need other help at wide receiver. We saw when they have, uh, when you're able to shut down digs, that you have to have other people that are able to step up and make plays. Uh, Gabe Davis does that, but now you're starting to see him get nicked up quite a bit. Um, DB help, especially at safety. Um, they need some of that. So do we take a safety? Does we make the first safety off the board here? Or do we go back to wide receiver? Um, I'm going to lean for Buffalo wide receiver. Get your quarterback another weapon, right? I think right now you can look at the middle rounds. There are plenty of guys that are going to be able to come in and help this team. But right now, take the top receiver on the board right now, Troy Franklin, or do you go Texas receiver? I, I like Brian Thomas. Don't get me wrong. But there is guy, there are guys that can help. Adonai Mitchell fits in right here for them. It's late in the first round. You're, you have no more first-round grades on your board, most likely. So I would take Adonai Mitchell right here. Adonai Mitchell, the pick for the Bills at 28, and that makes sense because Stephon Diggs is getting a little long in the tooth, and Gabe Davis is likely to leave uh, in free agency. The Detroit Lions are now on the clock at 29. Uh, the Detroit Lions, uh, they need a corner, and they got a pretty good one here. Ennis Rakestraw Jr. out of Missouri. He is a tough uh, corner. Uh, Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn are going to like him, and uh, if uh, he is uh, 
the one of the final four top corners uh, left staring him in the face. They are going to fill in the card with his name and run to the podium. Ennis Rakestraw Jr., the pick to the Lions at 29. Baltimore Ravens now on the clock. And Amarius Mims falls right in their lap. Yeah, but I think right now, I think they're all right at offensive tackle. What they do need, though, is another receiver. But one that has a special set of skills. I like Troy Franklin, but if you slide down, Lab McConkey is a guy that can play in the slot, can play the Z. He helps out. He takes a little pressure off of your receivers that you have. I think he's a route running guy that you need. This is going to be get your possession catches, take some of the pressure off those tight ends to get you those third downs and, and go in red zone catches. You have guys that can stretch the field. Now you have a guy that works the middle areas in Lab McConkey. Lad McConkey, the pick for the Ravens at 30, a very, very slick route runner. And the San Francisco 49ers are on the clock at 31. The 49ers, uh, as you saw in the Super Bowl, they need much better interior protection for Brock Purdy. And I have my eyes set on Graham Barton. He could, uh, he was a tackler too, but he projects better at guard or center in the NFL. And he uh, is going to fill one of those two guard positions uh, for you this year and provide an automatic upgrade over what you had last year. Graham Barton, the pick at 31 for the 49ers. And the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs on the clock at 32. Uh, most uh, people are going to mock wide receivers here. But Donovan Smith, their left tackle, is a free agent, and uh, they might have a sneaky need to tackle. Even with Donovan Smith, you know, he was a solid, serviceable replacement for what they lost. While I like Mims, there's also a guy right there who's a little more dependable in Guyton. And I think Tyler Guyton fits what they want if they want a guy that's going to come in and start right away. So if I'm them, I take Tyler Guyton in that situation. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. The Chiefs love their Oklahoma offensive lineman with a Creed Humphrey. They drafted Wanye Morris last year as a swing tackle. And if they think that uh, Guyton could uh, come in and uh, earn that left tackle job right away, that pick would make perfect sense. And so concludes our first mock draft of the 2024 draft cycle. And he is Jeff Bars, ladies and gentlemen, senior NFL draft analyst for Team NBS Media. Follow him on X at Jeff Barnes 29 Jeff, thank you so much once again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But our 2024 Dash to the Draft series continues next week as Devin Jackson of the Philadelphia Inquirer joins us to preview the defensive line edge class. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to follow me on X at DCROM59 and on Instagram and now threads at Sports Crutch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crutch with a K. For Jeff Barnes, this is David Cromwell saying so long and whatever you do, please choose love, please choose kindness, please choose compassion, please choose selflessness, and please choose empathy, which are the core characteristics of the best teammates and teams in any sport. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool! <laughs>